hello and happy day. If you reminded yourself to slow down today, to reduce the noise, to listen, my name is Igor, SF Walker, and I'm here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today, we look at The Denial of Death by Ernest Becker, winner of the Pulitzer Prize. The first strand, the world is terrifying, to say the least. Becker's account of nature has little in common with Walt Disney. Mother Nature is a brutal bitch, red in tooth and claw, who destroys which she creates. We live, he says, in a creation in which the routine activity for organisms is tearing others apart with teeth of all types, biting, grinding, flesh, plants, stalks, bones between molars, pushing pulp greedily down the gullet with delight incorporating its essence into one's own organization and then excreting with foul stench and gases the residue. The second strand, the basic motivation for human behavior is our biological need to control our basic anxiety to deny the terror of death. Human beings are naturally anxious because we're ultimately helpless and abandoned in a world we are fated to die. This is the terror to have emerged from nothing, to have a name, consciousness of self, deep inner feelings, an excruciating inner yearning for life and self-expression, and with all of this, yet to die. The third strand. Since the terror of death is so overwhelming, we conspire to keep it unconscious. The vital lie of character is the first line of defense that protects us from the painful awareness of our helplessness. Every child borrows power from adults and creates a personality by interjecting the qualities of a godlike being. If I am like my all-powerful father, I will not die. So long as we stay obediently within the defense mechanisms of our personality, what William Wright called the character armor, we feel safe and are able to pretend that the world is manageable. But the price we pay is high. We repress our bodies to purchase a soul. The time cannot destroy. We sacrifice pleasure to buy morality. We encapsulate ourselves to avoid death and life escapes us while we huddle within the defended fortress of character. Since the main task of human life is to become heroic and transcend death, every culture must provide its members with an intricate symbolic system that is covertly religious. This means that ideological conflicts between cultures are essentially battles between morality projects, holy wars. The fourth strand, our heroic projects that are aimed at destroying evil have the paradoxical effect of bringing more evil into the world. Human conflicts are life and death struggles, my gods against your gods, my immorality projects against your immorality projects. The root of humanly caused evil is not man's animal nature, not territorial aggression or innate selfishness, but our need to gain self-esteem, deny our morality, 
and achieve a heroic self-image. Our desire for the best is the cause of the worst. We want to clean up the world, make it perfect, keep it safe for democracy or communism, purify it of the enemies of God, eliminate evil, establish an alabaster city undimmed by human tears or a thousand-year Reich. The best we can hope for society at large is that the mass of unconscious individuals might develop a moral equivalent to war. The science of man has shown us that society will always be composed of passive subjects, powerful leaders, and enemies upon whom we project our guilt and self-hatred. This knowledge may allow us to develop an objective hatred in which the hate object is not a human scapegoat, but something impersonal, like poverty, disease, oppression, or natural disasters. By making our inevitable hatred intelligent and informed, we may be able to turn our destructive energy to a creative use. In the end, Becker leaves us with a hope that it is terribly fragile and wonderfully potent. It is, he says, the disguise of panic that makes us live in ugliness and not the natural animal wallowing. And this means that evil itself is amenable to critical analysis and conceivably to the sway of reason. This year, the order of priority was again graphically shown by the world's arms budget of 1.7 trillion. It was 204 billion when the book was published, at a time when the human living conditions on planet were worse than ever. To recreate the whole world out of ourselves, even if no one else existed. The thought frightens us. We don't know how we could do it without others. Yet at the bottom, the basic resource is there. We could suffice alone, if need be, if we could try ourselves, as Emerson wanted. And if we don't feel this trust emotionally, still, most of us will struggle to survive with all our powers no matter how many around us died, our organism is ready to fill the world all alone, even if our mind shrinks at the thought. This narcissism is what keeps men marching into point-blank fire at wars. At heart, one doesn't feel that he will die. He only feels sorry for the man next to him. Freud's explanation for this, that the unconscious does not know death or time, man's physiochemical inner organic resources, he feels immortal. We try to get metaphysical answers out of the body, that the body as a material thing cannot possibly give. We try to answer the transcendent mystery of creation by experiences in one partial physical product of that creation. The anxiety that results from the human paradox that man is an animal who is conscious of his animal limitation. Anxiety is the result of the prescription of the truth of one's condition. What does it mean to be a self-conscious animal? The ideal is ludicrous, if not monstrous. It means to know that one is food 
for worms. This is the terror, to have emerged from nothing, to have a name, consciousness of self, deep inner feelings, an excruciating inner yearning for life and self-expression, and with all of this yet to die. It seems like a hoax, which is why one type of cultural man rebels openly against the idea of God. What kind of deity would create such a complex and fancy warm food? If you have enjoyed this video, please do like it, share it with the world, subscribe to my channel, and you can find a direct link to this book in the description below. So get it and read. Thank you. Love and respect.